and welcome to another episode of the Enter the Bible podcast, where you can get answers or at least reflections on everything you wanted to know about the Bible, but were afraid to ask. I'm Katie Langston. And I'm Catherine Schifferdecker. And I have the privilege of uh, introducing our special guest for this podcast. Uh, Dr. Jeremy L. Williams is Assistant Professor of New Testament at Bright Divinity School at Texas Christian University. Uh, He's ordained in the Christian Methodist Episcopal Church, so we could call him Reverend Doctor. And he has a a new book coming out in the fall with Cambridge University Press called Criminalization in Acts of the Apostles, Race, Rhetoric, and the Prosecution of an Early Christian Movement. So you can pre-order that now. Uh, Jeremy Williams, thank you. Thank you so much for joining us for this Enter the Bible podcast. Hello. Thank you, Catherine, for having me. Good to see you, Katie. I'm excited to to engage this really interesting conversation. Yeah, yeah indeed, so, indeed. So glad you're here. Yeah, really happy to have you. We, so we have a question from a listener, uh, and it's uh, possible that this question is so large we might make this into a two part uh, uh, answer. You know, this is part one, and then we'll have part two. But uh, let me read the question, and I'll just remind uh, our listeners and viewers that if you have a question about the Bible, uh, you are very welcome and invited to go to enterthebible.org and enter the question there. We can't address all questions, but we try to address as many as we can. But here's the question that a listener submitted on that website. Uh, He or she said, "My, my confirmation students want to know where does the devil come from? Did God create the devil? And why would God do that? So uh, perhaps a pastor, perhaps a lay leader, but uh, has questions from his or her confirmation students. But I think questions that probably a lot of people have, like, who I have those is questions. the devil? Where did the devil come from? <laughs> That's yeah. right. What, oh, yeah. What's up with that? What's up with the devil? I don't know. Why? So, as, a, as a Bible scholar, Jeremy, and uh, particularly a New Testament scholar, uh, maybe, let, let, and because this is the Enter the Bible podcast, maybe let's talk first about in Scripture. What, uh, where do we meet the devil and where does the devil come from? Okay. Um, it, it, it's, it's always fun to talk about the devil, I think. <laughs> I think it's, maybe we shouldn't say it's fun to talk about that, yeah, right? Bible, but, but but especially especially like as a Bible scholar, thinking about where the devil appears as a character in text, and mm. and, and in navigating through um, thinking of where we uh, meet Satan first, or where or, or what are some of the oldest references? One one often thinks, especially like in our Christian church context, is that that the first place we would meet the devil is in the Garden of Eden, right? But, right, yes. but that's that's actually a mistake because oh. um, that's later theological interpretations of this event in the garden. It's a serpent there, just just a just a snake, right? Um, that that tells um, the earth creature, the Adam and and the living one Eve that, you know, go ahead and eat from this tree. Um those seem to be tenden- tendencies of who we describe as a Satan who appears later in the text. But the oldest place where we meet the devil and probably one of the oldest texts in the Hebrew Bible that we have is Job. And there in Job, when we encounter the Satan, and, I, and, I, and I'm using this to kind of trouble some of, of our images to think about, you know, just um, 
the the devil boogeyman with the pitchfork and the horns, but right. to think about him as 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 ancient literary creature that has morphed over time, um, mm. and and even there, he kind of gets added onto the Job story. You all know the story of Job, who loses everything that he has, and and then kind of gets a really um, un <laughs> unflattering response from from God at the end, and so. The way that um, a number of scholars think that Job is written is that it has um, bracketing chapters at the beginning and at the end. And there is introduced an idea of the Satan or the diabolical one or, or the adversary. All of these are kind of ways to think about Satan as not just like somebody's name, but but as an adversary, as one who opposes um, and in Job's stories, <laughs> the the editors or, or the people who redacted the story said that the one who, who who is opposing is not just opposing God, but actually opposing Job and wanting mm-hmm. to take all of his stuff. Now, what's interesting to think about here is where does the Satan or this opposer, this accuser, or, or, or one might even say prosecuting attorney, right? Where does he right, first show right. up? And, and he shows up. Like when the the sons of God, the Elohim, all the little gods, is kind of how the Hebrew has it, show up before um, the God, um, and and while they're all meeting, um, amongst the crowd is is the Satan, the adversary, the the accuser, the prosecutor, and he says, "Well, how about you start messing with Job?" <laughs> and and, so that, and God and- God takes the request, takes him up on the request. Okay, Katie. <laughs> Well, so that I'm, I'm trying, and Catherine, she did her dissertation on Job, so she could also kind of probably help with this. But like, so just remind me though, they're all hanging out. It's not just God and the Satan hanging out in the beginning of Job, but it's like God and all these other gods, and then Job, and then Satan. Well, or children of god or sons of god or what whether they're gods or angels there's some kind of spiritual or heavenly beings and yeah the satan is one of them he just kind of it's the heavenly council honestly okay like if you think of a a royal courtroom or a royal Uh, yeah a royal court right with all of the kind of uh attendance to the king there that seems to be kind of a analogy for that that heavenly council in Job, but but yeah, you're right, and it's it's worth noting huh. too, as you said, as you said, Jeremy, that Satan is it's actually a Hebrew word, and it means to accuse. So I think to talk about the Satan, and it's always the Satan in Job, right? To talk hmm. about him as the accuser or the prosecuting attorney, I think that's exactly right, Jeremy. Yeah. Yeah. See, I already, I already was on shaky ground as the New Testament guys dipping my toes. <laughs> no, 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 that's fine. So I'm, I'm glad, I'm glad, to, I'm glad to be confirmed because 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 I'm already on shaky ground. We're, we're, we're going to get to the New Testament eventually. Okay, okay. Well, right, and good, to be good. to be fair, to be fair, the devil or Satan makes a lot more appearances, or there's there's a lot more references, I should say, to to this figure in the New Testament than in the Old Testament. That's true. So, so, so Job, Job, and then so he's in Job. Uh, a couple of other times in the Old Testament, uh, if I'm remembering right, like in Zechariah, Satan shows right. up, and in First Chronicles, accusing again, right? Right, exactly. Yeah, These yeah. People who have been 
called anointed ones, the right. uh, high priest and, and the governor, I believe. Uh, and then he, he's accusing there again. So, so, exactly. so the Satan role is, is, is like a, is, is like a prosecutor in, in the heavenly court. Right. And this idea goes through texts in between the Hebrew Bible and the New Testament. You know, you see this figure show up in texts like, like Jubilees. Um, also, he takes on a character of having, having disciples and descendants in, in Dead Sea Scroll texts, like, um, like the War Scroll. And, and, he's, mm-hmm. and he takes on, he starts taking on different names too, not just, um, not just the Satan or the adversary, also, um, Mastima or, mm-hmm. or idea or, 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 or noting that not just Satan, but like the devil or Diablos is the name mm-hmm. that gets used frequently in the New Testament. And, and part of what happens in this period in between the Hebrew Bible and the New Testament and this, what's often called Second Temple Judaism, this intertestamental time is is he he begins to take on this image of being a part of of the end of the world mm. and this mm. figure that'll show up in us especially to attack prosecute or persecute god's people chosen people um generally thought of in these texts to be the people of israel and and, and attacks them through either imperial forces through other um national enemies and so so you can imagine the Greeks, the Romans, and going back to the Persians, they 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 start to seem like the the army of mm. this this evil one, this this devil, this Satan. Mm. And so, in that so so in some ways, um, the devil has in this period has a, has a has a lot of political implications, um, representing mm. um, the invisible forces of empire that are continually oppressing this this group of people whether in israel palestine proper or across the diaspora and so so these elements are 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 gelling around when the earliest jesus followers are imagining that the world is coming to an end the temple has been destroyed um and now um god's anointed one has appeared and been executed by the Roman powers that be and raised from the dead. <laughs> yeah. Right. right. And, and just to usher in the end of the pretty, world. And, and what's one of the characters that shows up at the end of the world? Like the devil. The Satan. Yeah. Is it, is it worth, is it fair to say that these historical tragedies or these historical evils, like, like the Roman empire uh, destroying the temple or executing Jesus or that, or all of the many troubles that the that the Jews go through, you know, in those intertestamental times and in the New Testament times, that that there's this kind of developing thought of, well, there must be something else besides just history going on here, right? There must be a, a evil force, an evil being uh, behind, right? That and Paul talks about spiritual warfare, right? That that there's some yeah. some malevolent. Uh, you know, being in back of it all is that is that fair to say? And and, and it has to be a powerful kind of thing, right? Yeah. Uh, certainly not more powerful than God, but also indubitably more powerful than humans, right? right? right, right. Which which yeah. leans into something that um, Paula Fredrickson likes to talk about. I had the opportunity to hear her speak a number of times. And when we were in Israel Palestine, she gave this really interesting illustration about how in the ancient imagination. 
there was a gradient between humans and gods that any god is greater than any human was a part of the ancient world and and part of that imagination also meant that just because something is a god that you don't worship it does not mean that it's not powerful <laughs> and mm. it does not mean that it cannot have an effect over your life your god is more powerful but a human does not want to take on um, the devil or, or spiritual deity in any kind of way without without proper resources. Um, and, and I believe that that's kind of what we can find at stake in in the trial or temptation of Jesus in the wilderness, where where we see um, Jesus really demonstrating um, supernatural strength, both through fasting, but then at this point of, of weakness, the this enemy, this accuser, this prosecutor comes to raise up various challenges in order to to not just set Jesus' course off, like in some kind of personal piety way, as we often think, but in line with what we're talking about, thinking about the end of the world coming, if Jesus is the, the son of God, the anointed one, then you can really set the whole course of human history off by 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 leading Jesus down a different trail. And so part of why I think yeah. realizing these end time components of the devil are important is because um, it helps to see the gravity of what's happening in some of these moments in, in the gospels. And then um, as I, as I, as I, as I keep on the road, we can talk more about um, the devil's, his own kind of kingdom and army with demons and stuff. And then in revelation, but, but um, I can, I can pause here and, and, and I see Katie wants to jump in. I don't yeah. Keep I've got rolling. a couple of questions. I got a couple of questions that this is, this is so interesting. So let me, let me go back. Um, so are you saying Catherine and Jeremy that, that in the, in the old Testament or in the Hebrew Bible, this like this Satan figure isn't evil. He's just accusatory. Well, he's not. I think I think it depends on which How book dare you're you. talking about. Okay. So in, okay. in Job, I think he's not kind of the, the father of lies or anything like that. He's he really is more like a prosecuting attorney. But not someone that you want next door, right? Like he's the head okay. of the CIA or I don't know. He's not <laughs> He's not a pleasant <laughs> character, but he's not the, you know, the father of demons. But by the time okay. you get to like First Chronicles 21, where the Satan appears, that's a probably a later text, uh, certainly than Job. He he does appear to be evil, right? He's really he's okay. he tempts David into taking a census and which is not a good thing. That's a whole other story. Oh. But it, you know, he How he becomes he more take of a the, census. Yeah, he. Well, I'll have to, add, the I'll have to submit in, that question. <laughs> and, and that passage is really interesting because it's a development from, I believe, what is it, Second Kings, where it doesn't right. have the devil do that, right? They, oh, they, they add the devil okay. in to help yeah, make sense yeah. of why it was a bad because yeah. it, it didn't yeah. make sense at first why the census was, right. was a bad thing. But if yeah. the devil tells you to do it, then it's probably bad. Then it's bad. Yeah, then don't yeah do in it, Second right. in Second Samuel, uh, it's not the devil, but it's but but in First Chronicles, huh. it, yeah. So. So by that time, yeah, Satan appears to be more of a tempter, right? Not just an accuser, huh. but also a tempter, which I think is what we see then in the New Testament stories of yeah. Jesus. I I really like your um, your point there, Jeremy, about 
that you know the the temptation in the wilderness as it's depicted in the gospels is not just a personal piety kind of thing it's really has cosmic significance right like if jesus if 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 satan is able to change the course of jesus life then it's not just jesus personal piety but the whole salvation history right right god, god is right. affected yeah right. huh okay so we have uh like sort of an unpleasant dude that you don't want being your next door neighbor because he probably works for the CIA to then he gets more evil and then he is tempting Jesus and then he has armies? Jeremy? Yes. Yes. <laughs> so how and, does that happen? <laughs> and then by the time you get to Revelation, right? Um, yeah. It's, it's, um, he, he becomes a whole um dragon like character that yeah that is able to to deceive the the entire world and then ultimately gets thrown um into a lake of fire which is different than hell just just to note that in revelation in, in the 20, 20th and 21st chapter what you find is that that hell is thrown into the lake of fire because um, hell yeah. or hades huh. is really just the abode of the dead um, it's not a place of torment or torture it's just where the dead go and so, yeah. and so, as we have these conversations, some of the reasons why I think it's important for us to go back and start to peel these pieces or peel these layers is what they help us to start to see is that some of our contemporary understandings and images of the devil, Satan, um, are, are are developed way after biblical texts, um, mm -hmm. and 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 I, like the the one I'm just now presenting is the idea that like the devil lives in hell. Like that's not a biblical idea. There's, there's, there's like no, there's no um, support for that idea biblically. Huh. So, so what do you do with that? Right. We realize that these are part of later inherited traditions. Um, so, so unpacking what we find in the text can in some ways help us to, um, to examine um, what do we want to do with, with the image of, of, of Satan and, and what use and what good can there be good with this image or with yeah. this character? So and I think there can, can I ask be. One... We can we can talk about that maybe in the second part. But I think I think the devil has. <laughs> yeah. some, I think you can use the. I think the devil can be can be useful. Not all the all time, right. but but yeah, I want to just leave it that there. But we can. But I think <laughs> cliffhanger. Yeah, you, before we go <laughs> there, yeah. Right? Yeah. The yeah, yeah. yeah, no, let's, yeah, let's talk about that in part two. I, I did have a question. It goes back to the question that our listeners submitted, you know, did God create the devil? And if so, why? Maybe that should wait till part two as well. But what it reminds me of is this very common story, uh, or at least that I heard growing up, right? That the, that the devil was once an angel, uh, you know, the, the angel of light that is, rebels against God and is cast down. So I know some of the texts that, you know, that have been used to talk about that, like Isaiah 14, 12, or Ezekiel 28, both of which refer, like Isaiah 14 is talking about the king of Babylon, but they refer to him as the day star, right? And mm -hmm. Ezekiel 28 is talking about the king of Tyre, but early church fathers interpreted that as referring to Satan as well, that Satan rebels against God and is is thrown out of heaven. So where like 
how does that come about? Do you know, Jeremy, or can you can you well, shed some light on that story? Well, as you mentioned, um, the the early church fathers' interpretations of those passages, especially like the Isaiah fourteen, but that's a tricky passage to to use to only apply to Satan. That term, day star or morning star, also um, early um, church leaders used a similar image. Um, the one from Song of Solomon to talk about how how Jesus was the was the day star or the bright and morning star, and so mm. and so images are tricky because they can they can be used in in multiple ways. Um, but but in the in the New Testament, there's passages in in like Luke after the disciples come back from having received power to cast out demons, and they talk and they report, and then Jesus says, "Well, I saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning." Mm. And and, I, and if, right. I, if I was in the audience, I'd be like, "What does that mean?" Like, yeah, <laughs> what, <laughs> what, what exactly mean? do you mean? That? And the Revelation twelve yeah. passage that I was speaking of, where you have the dragon image, and then you have you have Satan literally cast out of heaven, and then to wreak havoc on earth is is what happens in the next part of that passage. Um, and so, um, some have have interpreted that Revelation twelve passage to be a um, a re- okay. To, to be a a a retelling of the story of creation or a version thereof where you have especially taking images from from Greek uh, mythology like the story of uh, Python and Leto and this idea that you have this woman getting ready to give birth and you have a serpentine dragon chasing her um, and there's a war in heaven, and then after this war in heaven, this enemy um, is thrown down, and and really is what creates all of the true chaos that happens on Earth. And in Revelation, particularly, the enemy's work is to prosecute, persecute, chase the people of God who are the people who refuse to worship the idols of the empire or participate in the imperial cult. Because they are, and from my reading, and we can talk about this a bit too, they are people who who subscribe to Jewish practices, but simultaneously believe that Jesus is the Messiah who's been raised. And so they find themselves marginalized in multiple ways. And so in that way, the enemy become, or this this really mythical, mythical type enemy becomes a way for them to imagine perseverance. Um, against the local tyranny that they're experiencing to recognize that ultimately um, it will be vanquished, whatever enemy they face, even if it is, has dragon-like proportions, world, um, mm. world-destroying. I mean, this, this dragon like drinks up all the water on the earth kind of deal. And so this shows what they're up against, or it's a way to imagine um, the gravity of their, of their experiences and and ultimately the lesson is that um the satan the enemy is no match for their god maybe i maybe i already jumped into what what i want to say in part 2 so no i think <laughs> i mean i think that's yeah that's really helpful um i have one other question and then i think we could go to part 2 but um so there are these like um demons in in the gospels and jesus is always you know cleansing and casting out the demons and that sort of thing and would they be understood to be like the same type of being or 
force or entity as Satan at that point in history? Or like, are they Satan's minions at that point in history? Or are they just additional, you know, bad forces and entities and energies or whatever powers, principalities? I don't even know. Like, or is it, this is a really good question. (laughs) It's a really good question. And, and, um, and the first thing I would say is, is it's really it's, it's a really good question because there are different terms used to to denote different types of um, I guess we can say supernatural as in beyond natural um, figures. And, and, and I guess one thing from my training, I'm always suspicious of every word that I say because because each of these words can 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 be a, a landmine because in in the ancient world it was all supernatural because they right. they had a different way of understanding right. how nature worked right mm-hmm. right but um, right, but to right, us right. like these figures there there were like demons daimones there were unclean spirits um, then right. you have um, like in Act sixteen the enslaved girl with the Pythian spirit and it intentionally is talking about like the spirit of a of an um, of Apollo's python that would appear from the Delphic shrine. So you, so you have these different terms huh. used to talk about different evil um or 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 oppositional spi- oppositional spiritual forces, right? Huh. Um and and so to answer your question directly though, in talking about um demons, there's a story um um in the Gospel of Matthew that comes to mind where Jesus um casts uh, a demon out. They don't go through details to explain how it is expelled. Or how he expels the demon, but Jesus's opponents that Matthew likes to um, portray as the Pharisees, um, they they question the legitimacy of Jesus' authority of casting out this um, this demon, and they and and they say he does it by the power of um, another force, Beelzebub. Um, mm-hmm. which which has connections to Baal, and and so it, it's mm-hmm. this idea that there's a evil ringleader if you will and then jesus um shares that that you know even the kingdom of satan has an order Mm. and Mm. therefore he goes on to say that a kingdom divided against itself can't stand he said it's not so i can't cast out a demon by the power of demon or satan he said but instead i do it by the power of the spirit and so in yeah. that instance, we can see that uh, in Matthew's Jesus' mind, uh, there's a hierarchy, there's a kingdom of demonic forces of which um, the Satan is the top. And then in the explanation that Matthew has Jesus to give, this it, it becomes quickly like this end time scenario again, that like the, um, the evil one or the devil has a group of bad people and God has a group of, of good people and, and ultimately what you find at the end of the day is you have to be able to recognize who is who. And if you can't mm-hmm. recognize who is operating by the power of demons, ultimately by the Satan, but you think that the people who are casting out those demons and are, who are actually operating by the power of the spirit are those who are demonic. If you can't tell that simple difference, then Jesus says you blaspheme the spirit, uh, sin for which you can't be forgiven in this world or the world to come. And so, so there is. So, so the, the question is really powerful because this idea of being able to discern demonic activity versus holy spiritual activity 
it was important. And, and it's and, and, and it is, a, it is a important. I think people like, who are invading yeah. theological, right? It's, it is important, right? right. To, to be Continues able to correctly to identify. Yeah. yeah. Huh. Well, even though we live I, in a well, post-truth time. <laughs> exactly. Right. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. That's true. That's true. Wow. Hey, I, I think uh, we we probably uh, should wrap up right now. We're going to have part two where we're going to continue exploring this question of where does the devil come from and how did you put it before, Jeremy, that the usefulness of usefulness. the devil? Yes. All right. So, so uh, I'm going to encourage our listeners to go on and move over to part two of our interview with uh, Dr. Jeremy Williams. Uh, but for now, uh, thank you for listening to this uh, episode, and we look forward to hearing f- uh, from you for your uh, your own questions, and we look forward to continuing this topic uh, with Jeremy Williams. So thanks for joining us, and uh, go to enterthebible.org for other podcasts and videos and uh, um, Uh, entries, uh, essays about various biblical topics and biblical books. So thanks for joining us.